but a lot of people certainly within within the industry and, and wider friends families so just thought we were crazy so we were going to launch a business with 14 people we weren't going to have any call centers we weren't going to have any shops um we'd be online only and our members will do all the stuff like get more members to join we'll help with member queries um and people just didn't think it could work Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, with the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 049 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, and on today's show, I welcome Tom Rainsford, co-founder and brand director of telecommunications disruptor GIFGAF. Fresh off our live event program in January, I've got the privilege of interviewing some great guests over the next few weeks, Tom being just one of them. Really enjoyed listening to Tom, and I'm hoping we're going to be able to hear from him at one of our live events very, very soon. Um, we've got a short two-week break until we bring the Screw It, Just Do It roadshow back out. We're in Brighton on the February the 13th, actually, at Platform 9 with Zero co-founder Gary Turner. And then on the 28th, we're at this workspace in Bournemouth with Jim Cregan from Jimmy's Ice Coffee and Rupert Holloway from Conquer Spirit. We're also going to get our Manchester launch live on the Startup You website. In fact, I believe it is live by the time you're listening to this on our profile page there and also on the Startup You Limited Facebook page also where you can buy tickets from both of those platforms. Um, Super excited for all of them, all three of those. Manchester, we've managed to get Social Chain's founders, as well as Luke Massey from Vibe Tickets, and also Sasha Atherton from Premier Parents, who's launching a female tech academy in Manchester. So three amazing businesses there, as well as those uh, previously referenced in Bournemouth and Brighton. So on today's show, I talked to Tom, one of GIFGAF's original founders who started with the aim of making mobile better. They are the David amongst Goliaths in mobile land. They have members, not customers, and don't tie them down with lengthy contracts. They were U-Switch's 2017 Network of the Year and just had one of their videos voted in YouTube's top 10 videos for 2017. You know the one, the one with the lady diving out of the swimming pool all the way out into space and back again. Pretty damn memorable. Uh, Tom and I talk about how they managed to compete in such a competitive marketplace, how the members grow their business and drive it for them, and how they even paid their members over £11 million for their services. Let's start up. 
we launched the business um, in November 2009 and there were 14 full-time uh, members of staff. There were some contractors and some temp people helping us out, um, but really it was a 14 um, of us um, that launched it in November. Um, the idea came from a guy called Gav Thompson who um, was new to the world of mobile and started working in, in mobile and just started thinking, I'm, I'm not sure that, that some of the practices and principles and approaches of some of these brands um, and businesses really benefit the end consumer. Mm. Um, so we took that idea and when I joined in the summer of 2009, were kind of eight founding principles and I won't, I won't go into all of them, but the first one was around mutuality. Mm-hmm. And actually, gift gap is uh, is a Gaelic word for mutual giving. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to create a, a modern, progressive um, mobile business, which where we would work with what we call members um, and other people would call customers to actually benefit not only the business, but actually benefit the experience um, that our members get from uh, from using our service. Mm-hmm. And back then, I mean, it still is, isn't it? You know, very crowded marketplace, very competitive. Um, what was the initial reaction from, you know, friends and family going into something like that when you go and get some, you know, real, real big hitters in, in that industry? Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. You know, we set out to be the David to the Goliath mm. of, of the mobile industry. Now, obviously, there's the, the big networks you can you can think of and you would have seen for years and years and years on your TV. But someone told me last week that apparently in, in the UK, both mobile networks and virtual mobile networks, um, which are different brands that run on the bigger, uh, bigger networks, mm. um, there's actually over 50 so your choice is is, is huh. absolutely huge in in what is quite you know it's 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 an island right yeah um, so people thought we were absolutely nuts so um, <laughs> no one thought it were well no one we we did and and some and some people that believed in us did but a lot of people certainly within within the industry and and wider friends families that just thought we were crazy so we were going to launch a business. With 14 people, we weren't going to have any call centers. We weren't going to have any shops. Um, we'd be online only, and our members will do all the stuff, like get more members to join, will help with member queries. Um, and people just didn't think it could work. Um, and obviously, eight years later, um, we've certainly proved that it, that it does. We've got a healthy business mm. um, and one we're very proud of. And so from 14 initial staff um how, how how much has the company grown in, in in that time now it's 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 grown massively we're now at around 250 people um we've moved offices uh at least three possibly four times i've, I've slightly lost count <laughs> um and but i guess you know if you compare how many people um work here in comparison to you know some some of the other bigger boys they've got thousands of people you know you include call centers and and retail footprint into that mm. you probably talked about over 10,000 people and that that's that's really big mm. um now you know one of our principles is is to be lean um we have a um scheme which is called payback 
And the more back to the idea of mutuality and gift gapping, an old Gaelic word for mutual giving, the more involved in the business you become as one of our members, the more you get back. So we've actually paid back over £10 million to our members over um, the last eight years for them getting more members involved, for them um, getting their friends to join, for them helping each other out. But all of that cost is less than what it would be to employ 10,000 people plus or have a retail footprint, or have a call center. So yeah. the core business not only benefits the experience, and we'd argue that it's a better experience and certainly a more modern and progressive one, but actually the cost of doing business is um, is far leaner. Mm. That that was you know, something we were just talking about off air then, but when we had our last live event, and that was the interesting um, polarization, I think, when we had Gary Turner from Zero. And James Benamore from the Richmond Group, and James said this, you know, his business essentially is a call center of, of selling loans to people, whereas Gary's said, you know, they never, ever would have been able to do what they do now and help a million people worldwide if they'd taken on the decision to have a call center. So that's it's very interesting. Um, you've you've gone down the same route, but again, a similar time scale to when Zero started 2009 as well, that you... You obviously made that decision very early on that you wanted to be lean and this is how you're going to structure and, and scale the business. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was, it was was there from day zero. Wow. And really the commitment to see that through with all the challenges that you have as a growing business and a growing business in a hugely competitive market, um, you know, it's kind of testament to to, to everyone that's, that's worked here, really. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I went to some research when we before we launched GiveGap in the summer of 2009. And there was this 18-year-old guy there who said, and I quote, I will never buy anything online with my debit or credit card. <laughs> and I thought, I reckon you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I reckon... Well, you know, if you look at, you know, in 2009, Blockbuster was the number one place to go and hire DVDs from in the world. Mm. You had to leave your house. You had to go back the next day, limited volume of titles. Potentially the title you want wouldn't be accessible to you because it might be out to, you know, Doris that lives around the corner. <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. You know, to reach the remote to get a movie seems like a bit of a logistic nightmare at home in yeah. 2018. Um, so to think that everyone was very happy to try out their houses to get movies and 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 we've been on that wave of that you know that sort of wave of the the, the catalyst of being um publishers and media companies tr- completely changing how the world works um but also social networks giving us the ability to have two-way conversations with people you know and that's how we involve our you know our members you know you can go to the site and get involved you can get involved in our social channels and, and that's very very different and that change has been massive in the last eight years that's amazing that um your members are able to create their own revenue streams off the back of that. If you say it's like 10, 11 million pounds that they've managed to, to earn for themselves. We, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. There's, um, there's one of our members, um, who's actually earned over a hundred thousand pounds in six months. No, um, really? Getting, yeah. Getting his friends to join. And, uh, the, the joke we have is he's by far the best paid person at Kifka. <laughs> Love it. That's great. Uh, well, it's interesting. Funnily enough, I asked, um, my guys here, the team that we've got, um, so we all need to get, you know, new, 
new phones, etc. And um, they're all either still in university doing internships or have literally just finished university in the last two years. And um, we li- literally went with GIFGAF. And I just thought, is that um, does that reflect on your, your target market as well? The age, you know, they're literally growing up with social media and having those two-way conversations. Um, it, it, it does. We're, we're a broad church um, in the main, but certainly at early doors when we were kind of, you know, very much for early adopters, we hugely over-indexed with kind of 18 to, to 24-year-old guys, actually. Hmm. And we tended to find that that was because we were a little bit techy, maybe even a, a, a tiny bit geeky. And we've, we've lowered some of those barriers to get the product. Um, we've improved UX. We've improved um uh, some of the flows and how everything works is to streamline it. And now we're very much kind of, you know, 18 to 45 plus and it's 50-50 from a kind of gender split. But what we do see to your point is we are hugely popular with students. You know, we don't tie right. people to contracts um, yeah. in a way that traditional mobile networks do. And of course, students um, are looking for great value, which we give people, but equally they're not looking for, for long-term commitment. Um, and therefore, giving them the ability to come and go whenever they want is a huge benefit for them. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, and, w- and when you kind of look back now, coming up to ten years, I guess, how different is the is the mission compared to when it was back then? To to essentially, I'm assuming, di- disrupt the telecommunications market. I've been, um, you know, looking after the brand. Um, for eight years and we've got this huge sign on our wall that's been there since the start that just says better mobile Hmm. and that statement is as true today as it was when we launched eight years ago um there's always more to be done there's always new challenges there's a whole load of you know regulation and various other stuff that you need to adhere to as a as a mobile network but we want to do it in our way and we want to do it in a way to make mobile better. Mm-hmm. So I'd actually say that, you know, absolutely there's been some fantastic things along the way. There's been some huge challenges that we've needed to overcome, but it's almost, you know, we, we're never going to a hundred percent deliver against that and think, Oh, okay, great. We, you know, we've, we've, we've done mobile now. There's, there's always more to do. And that's really our kind of like charging mantra, you know, involving our members in running a better mobile network. And uh, l- looking back at that, what has been the biggest challenges? Have, have they been regulatory or have they been more trying to build that team from 14 up to a, a couple of hundred people? Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's definitely been many challenges. I think the first one was definitely around um, uh, scalability and growth. Um, one fantastic tip that I've learned along the way is um, – don't have a marketing strategy to not do any marketing, which is where we started. Because <laughs> right. um, if you don't tell anyone who you are, they're not going to know. So, uh, so th- there, is, there is a reason for marketers and advertisers and, and, and public relations people to still get up in the morning, which is good news for some of us, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, re- really getting that kind of scalability and, you know, we, 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 um, very much tried in a kind of test and learn approach, lots of different channels to, to see what would work. We tried a lot of stuff on social media that worked to a degree, but there's still a role for, you know, um, uh, TV 
and traditional forms of media. But of course, you can do it in a different and hopefully more engaging way than just buying 30 seconds and telling people to go into a store and buy something. Yeah. And hopefully we've done that. You know, you can see that with our voice uh, sponsorship on ITV on Saturday nights at the moment. We've previously done that with our sponsorship of E4. Um, mm. And we, we, we try to bring to life our ethos in, a, in an engaging way that people can get involved with. I was going to say, you can, you can clearly see that you're, you're getting your members involved in that as well, which is obviously very much part of the plan, given the important role that they've, they've played in the growth of the business. That's, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, we, we have conversations every single time any TV show that we um, sponsor goes out. And, you know, if you go to our Twitter, Facebook, or, um, you know, even givegaff.com, on Saturday night, there'll be loads of conversations going on there about The Voice and we take those tweets and we put them on TV and we put our members' faces on them. And it just feels like a um, a really nice, playful, engaging way to involve people in a traditional format of advertising that works for the brand because we get in front of loads of people who might not know who we are or might know a little bit, but we need to tell them a bit more. Mm. But it's still done in that mutual way. And given your role in the business, um, must be make you incredibly happy to then uh, see how well um, how well rated those adverts actually are. Then, and that the the message that the brand is getting across loud and clear when you're getting ranked very highly by people like YouTube, for example. The YouTube. Um YouTube um, uh, sort of top 10 ads of 2017 that came out um, last week. It's it's fantastic to be in there. It's a great testament to the hard work that all the team put in to have engaging and interesting pieces of advertising. Um, and yeah, we've, we've definitely grown and built um, and built a strong brand as a business, which we execute in different ways and different channels. Um, the big swim, uh, which is the latest campaign that we launched last year that's in that top 10 mm. poll um, by YouTube. It's been massively um, positively received, which is which is fantastic. And I think, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff in the world and adding in a little bit of sunshine actually um, pays dividends. Mm. And, and what I'm interested to know, what where, where do your members hang out where do you find the, the the most conversations are is it on twitter is it on facebook is it on whichever other platforms out there it's definitely across across all of those i is mean it? i think it very much mirrors um kind of uh you know probably usage of platform you know in in the uk obviously facebook is huge yeah. twitter's uh, Twitter's there, but not as big as Facebook. Instagram is a channel that we're definitely expanding in um, and trying to expand in um, at pace. But of course, we also have a community on a forum on our website. So if you go to um, uh, if you go to our website, there's a community there of which you know get involved in all types of things. We have a section of the website which is called Labs, where people can go and suggest. Um, new ideas and we try to implement uh, a new idea on average uh, at least once a week um, which could be really small ideas or really big ideas like you know stuff to do with apps and you know um, various different kind of techie stuff so there's lots of different conversations going on and it's just about kind of harnessing the power of those conversations to help our business grow but also help the experience for the end user and was one of those conversations I, I read somewhere when when Apple brought out 
a, one of the iPhones and the, the SIM card didn't fit. And you probably tell the story better than I can. That's right. Yeah. So Apple brought out um, micro SIMs and they That's did right. it um, very quickly. And we were caught somewhat on the on the back foot. Um, and because it's quite a long supply chain with SIMs and, you know, da, 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 da. So um, our members um, set up something that they called MicroGAF which was a kind of micro website that was very much a cottage industry of you ordered a SIM from them, said that it was for the new iPhone. They would physically cut it down to size and then post it off to you. Um, Because they, they, you know, that helped people get the SIMs when they wanted with the new iPhone. It was, um, was very much a kind of, you know, hot selling product at that time. But it also meant that we could then reward those members for, for getting involved. So yeah. it, it, it was amazing. They were doing thousands of the things. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And a really, you know, it's lovely to see those spontaneous things pop up. We didn't ask them to do it. They saw the opportunity and they took it. And that, you know, that how entrepreneurial. It is, absolutely. And there's, I don't know, there's probably not, probably I don't know run out of fingers trying to say how many brands resonate that powerfully with their customers be that um you know Apple being one obvious example but there's there's not like dozens and dozens of those brands out there so it must be amazing to to get that interaction that you do get must be a real feel-good factor absolutely and it, it plays back to the to the heart of our brands being about mutuality and it's about giving people the opportunity to get involved and that's not um sense a photo of you eating your favorite crisps you know like well, i'm all right but actually giving people an opportunity where they're going to benefit from that not only um it may be getting paid back which is a financial benefit but also an emotional benefit of helping other people or bettering a business or being involved in something which is trying to do something good. And that is, um, you know, that, that money, you can't buy that. Mm. And, and when the business set out, how, how, how did you guys manage to, to fund what's been pretty, pretty damn rapid growth, really, so, in, originally? Did you have pri- private investment before like, O2 came on, Telefonica? So we, we have always been um, 100% owned by Telefonica, who um, obviously own um, lots of business globally and obviously O2 UK um, uh, in the UK. So um, we've always had that funding and that backing from them and they've been extremely supportive. You know, they bought into um, understanding that there was an opportunity in the UK market for people to do things differently in the mobile space mm. um, and have supported our growth um, ever since. Very good. Um, and with regards to yourself, what do you? Um, how, how has the role changed from when you you started coming coming up to ten years ago? Now, oh, just hugely. Has um, it really? Yeah, massively, massively. So I think you know the, the the core role, which is like you know, I'm here to build a brand that I want people to love, and people don't really love service brands. And people don't massively love mobile networks. I think it's fair to say. Um, and I, you know, that my, my core role to build a brand that's loved obviously remains. But at the start, I was doing everything. You know, I was <laughs> writing the press releases. I was going out with a camera and some various other people and shooting stuff and doing whatever else. And now, obviously, we've I've got a team of people. Um, you know, I, I remember chatting to people on Facebook because we just, we're like, we should have a Facebook account. Let's set one up, you know. Mm. 
Now, obviously, it's much, it's more um, structured, but not in a way that actually limits people. It still gives people that spirit of those early days. And we're very, very almost pedantic about keeping that alive. Um, and, it, and it gives people an opportunity to deliver against that vision of, you know, doing mobile better. Awesome. And um, now you're a very busy chap. So I'll just finish with one last question, uh, kind of coming back to startups and, and kind of tapping into your experience as being head of brand for, for all that time. Um, if you were starting a business now and you were starting a business, starting a brand, what kind of things would you uh, look to focus on that you could you could maybe highlight that you think are the key points for people to try and get right in, when you're literally starting a brand from from the get go. I think it, I think it's a great question, and I think um, it probably falls into um, a few different categories. Mm. I think the first one is understanding. You know, there's a, there's a lot of work in the startup world um, to identify opportunities in markets and really focus on those commercial opportunities. But equally, there's an opportunity to support that with, with a brand that can deliver um, above and beyond just unit sales or commercial growth or whatever, whatever the drivers might be for that business. And, you know, and if you look at traditional brands like Coca-Cola, if you take away um, – the brand, the physical product is worth dramatically less. Mm. So you've got to build a strong brand and you, and you have that opportunity to be able to do that. So I think, you know, really focus on what type of brands you want to be. You know, what do you want to achieve? And all of those elements, you know, whether or not it's being lean or mutual or committed or whatever it might be, have to be weaved into everything you do. So not only your external communication or experience on an app or whatever it might be, but also your culture. Mm. And it has to be weaved within the, you know, the tapestry of how you act as a person and how you interact with people that work for you and your end consumers. And I think the last thing is around, there's always a lot of focus because budgets are tight in startups. And it's very easy to believe that, Actually, we'll just do, um, uh, we'll just use banner ads or we'll just do um, PPC or we'll just do, um, you know, um, social social yeah. advertising, right? Mm. Lots of, you know, telling people, click here and get the product, click here and get the product. We do, we're A-B test stuff and da, 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 da. And all that stuff is necessary and that's great, but that isn't building a brand, you know? That, that isn't building brand. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it through traditional um, advertising channels. We have, and I'd argue that it, that it does help and it does pay back on that, you know, larger investment. But don't underestimate the role of a brand in those early days. Great answer. Far more tips than I was uh, hoping you were going to give. That's, that's even better. That's going to be massively helpful uh, to, to our audience. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. So really enjoyed talking to Tom. Had a good chat about pale ale off air as well. Um, so my takeaways from that, of which there are many, is first one, knowing where your customers are, where they hang out. Um, what platforms do they use if your customers are online? They, they 
they might be offline as well, depending on what age range uh, demographic you're looking at. But where do they hang out um, and knowing how to interact with them? So developing, having conversations with them, having open-ended conversations. Um, and it's very much not a nine to five operation anymore, is it? It's a 24 seven thing. So I know if you're starting out, it's just you doing all that and you might not be answering those till the next day. Um, but it's great to be able to have those conversations with your customers um, and taking it to another level um, to think about how you could do that with regards to GiftGaff's model of developing their user base um, so that they, their customer service is actually driven by their members stroke ambassadors who they they've evidently become ambassadors for the brand so leading on from that maybe thinking about identifying who are your ambassadors who are your biggest fans um and thinking about different ways in which you can get them to recruit more members more users more customers for your business um how can you incentivize them to do that how can you reward them how can you make them feel part of your brand um it's, it's a great conversation to have i think um and and moving on from that has tom ended with this uh, and i thought it was really really relevant um uh, talking about brand using the coca-cola analogy um you know what's it actually worth if you take the coca-cola name away what's actually you know in the bottle what you kind of left with value wise really um so brand being about everything that you do. So not just being about the marketing campaigns that you're doing and the message you're trying to get across, but weaving everything into everything that you do. So that could be, as Tom said, um, all your communications, but also how you act as a, as a person and as a brand, um, how you're perceived. And going back full circle, to what I've just talked about, how you interact with your customers, with your members, with your fans, etc. Um, your brand should be woven into all of that. A, a great one that I've referenced just because it's one of the ones that inspired me to to start podcasting. And I can't believe we're actually coming up to episode 50. I had no idea how long this was going to last and uh, I'm still enjoying it very, very much um, and, and looking to tweak things again um, as we move forward. But uh, example I use is, is a website called Entrepreneur on Fire or EO Fire as it's um, kind of been driven down to now. But everything that John Lee Dumas uses within that is related to um, the using fire in it so whether it's uh you know an emoji of the fire quite simply you know when, you, when you're putting the url in um all the communications fire nation as he speaks to people and it yes it can seem a little overly um americanized for, for a european audience but um it just works so well, I think, and the majority of his audience is American, of course. But look at how he manages to do that in all of the internal, external communications, how it's perceived, the, the use of that imagery, the language that he uses um, in his podcast, in his emails, on the website, if you look at it as well. Um, I, I think it's a great example of, of how somebody's managed to do that in a very, very short period of time. Um, 
and is ridiculously success successful. You know, revenues over 10 million um, from hosting a podcast. It's, it, it, it's amazing without a shadow of a doubt. Um, as I say, coming up to show number 50, um, would love to know your thoughts. Um, you can get hold of me on all different platforms at Alex Chisnell. Um, would love to know your thoughts as we approach number 50. Who's been your favourite interviewees? Who would you like me to get on? Who would be your favourite interviewees? Um over the next 11 months. Thanks very much and look forward to speaking to you again at the weekend. Bye for now. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter. Just do it.